It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. C-13 Originals. My name is Rick Singer. My job is to life coach kids and families through the whole process of getting into college. Good morning. We're here today to announce charges in the largest college admissions scam ever prosecuted by the Department of Justice. It's unbelievable. It is so competitive to get your kid into school today. A central defendant in the scheme, William Singer, will plead guilty today to charges of racketeering, conspiracy, money laundering, conspiracy, conspiracy to defraud the United States, and obstruction of justice. So mom and dad are absolutely crazed. Saturday night, it's an amazing night. Why? Because mom and dad go to a dinner party, they hear about every kid who's doing getting into this school, going to this summer program, doing this, doing that. Sunday morning, my phone rings off the hook. Why? How come we're not doing this? We want it done now, and the kids are like, Whoa, this is my life. Wealthy parents paid Singer about $25 million in total to guarantee their children's admission to elite schools. And they send their plane to come pick me up, come to the meeting for a couple hours, two, three hours, put me right back on the plane, send me to the next place I need to go. After all this chaos, the payoff for me is knowing that these kids found the right place to go to school and they feel great about themselves. Dear parents, it is the loss of dignity, humanity, and morality. It's the home run of home runs. Rick, if you could change one decision in your life, what would it be? Rick, no comment? We help the wealthiest families in the U.S. get their kids into school. If you had wanted to, I mean, my daughter's score could have been a 1550, right? This is Gangster Capitalism. Season one, The College Admissions Scandal. I'm your host, Andrew Jenks. So on March 12th, 2019, shortly before I teed off at Calabasas Country Club, I received a call from a lawyer in New York asking if I was taking new clients. And I said, yes. He said, a client is spiraling out of control concerned about how this will influence the rest of his life. He said, are you available to speak with him? I said, yes. Didn't play golf that day. That's Justin Paperny. Justin's an author and consultant, and his company is called White Collar Advice. I've never seen a website quite like his. It says, let us take the confusion and headache out of preparing for sentencing, prison, and probation. Justin served time himself in federal prison for felony securities fraud. And when he got out, he began representing clients willing to pay a hefty sum for advice on how to serve time. And Justin has confirmed to us that more than one of the people swept up in this scandal has retained his services. The initial thoughts from this client 
and many other defendants in this case with whom I've spoke, are stunned at the outrage. And frankly, they never fully contemplated or considered how much media attention this would get. And I had to remind him and others that this is something that's uniting both the left and right in this country. But I believe you can get a second chance, and I believe everyone with whom I speak and work is capable of that, and it's our privilege, our real privilege, to help them. I think there is a massive difference between someone that lies occasionally and someone that lies as a way of life that wakes to defraud and steal from people. Rick Singer swept them in, exploited them, sold them on the idea. He was smooth. I think he was a salesman. I think he was a manipulator. And I think he was able to use his skills to lure people in under the idea that this is the best way to help your child. However, I would take Rick Singer as a client, presuming there's no conflict. I would take anyone any white-collar defendant is a client, presuming they're willing to invest the time, though based on my feelings, I doubt that he'll be calling me. If you have the money, there's someone to help you with anything, even getting mentally prepared for prison. It's May 13th, and I've returned to Boston. I just ran down a back stairwell at the federal courthouse, chasing Felicity Huffman and her lawyers. But when I finally caught up to them, they had nothing to say, just like nearly everyone else involved in this case. It all feels very surreal to me. Moments earlier, I watched Huffman stand before a judge and cry as she apologized for the display of emotions. Wiping away tears, she pled guilty. In the courtroom, I counted about 50 reporters and a few locals, perhaps Huffman fans, watching. While the journalists were busy taking notes, typing so loudly that security asked them to quiet down, I sat in the back row wondering, how did we end up here? The story of how this case came to the attention first of the federal authorities and then to all of us, to the news media, is complicated and strange, and it involves two characters. That's Caitlin Flanagan. Caitlin is a journalist and author, and this past April wrote a piece for The Atlantic about the scandal. There are endless articles I've read about this case, and Caitlin's, called They Had It Coming, did the best job of capturing the nuances. She explains to me how the college admissions scheme was actually discovered. One of the characters lives here in L.A., a guy named Maury Tobin. And he's an L.A. businessman who's kind of, in his own right, a fascinating character to me. He has four daughters at the time this all broke who either were at Yale, had graduated from Yale, or had just been admitted to Yale. And that's a really high number for these super elite, super selective schools. Maury was a financier in L.A. who last year got busted for being the ringleader of a pump-and-dump scheme where he artificially inflated the price of a stock and then sold it off for millions in profit at the expense of his clients. The whole deal with when the feds get you in a big case like this, it's not who tells the most, it's who tells it the soonest. And of all the possible things that he could confess at that moment to lower his own sentence, he reveals that he's paid to get his youngest daughter into Yale. 
And he says that the way that he did this was that the coach of the women's soccer team, a very beloved, renowned, almost 25-year veteran at Yale called Rudy Meredith, sold him this spot for $400,000. So immediately after that, they nabbed Meredith. So those are who those two characters are. But what we have at the heart of this is you have a man who, number one, will scheme and pay huge amounts of money to get a child admitted to Yale. And the second he's in any kind of trouble, he will give up that child. The emotional toll on these children, you know, we could all say world's smallest violin. These are the very wealthy kids of very wealthy people. But, you know, everybody's a person in their own right. And the emotional toll is almost unimaginable for these kids, that he would put her through it and certainly jeopardize the admissions of the other three. I mean, he has taken his four daughters and really sacrificed them at the altar of spending less time at Camp Fed. Now, working with law enforcement, Maury Tobin agreed to wear a wire. He was instructed to arrange a meeting at a Boston hotel with Yale soccer coach, Rudy Meredith. During this conversation, Rudy confirmed that he would accept a bribe from Tobin. Just like that, the feds now had the evidence they needed to leverage Rudy. And Rudy flipped. He told the FBI that he was only a small part of a much larger scheme. And so the FBI took the same approach with Rudy as they did with Maury Tobin. They strapped a wire on the Yale soccer coach and recorded a conversation between him and someone that they had never heard of, Rick Singer. As the FBI eavesdropped, Singer asked Rudy if he could recruit more coaches to accept bribes. You can say he's doing it at, for this year I did seven elite schools. We've done it everywhere. Okay, see that might, yeah, definitely would make them feel more comfortable with all those places. And all those schools, like you're, you're, you're comfortable. I, I, I can tell her comfortably that you work with all those schools. Absolutely. Huh. It's all different. It's all, absolutely, but it's all, it's different programs at every school. Right, 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 right. I know, I know. But saying that you work with those schools, I think that might make her feel more comfortable, knowing that you've worked with all those schools before. You can tell them I did 760 of these this year, 96 the year before. And just like that, Rick Singer was now the third and biggest character working for the feds. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Amy Poehler, here to tell you about a new improvised show from Paper Kite Podcasts, the team that brought you Say More with Dr. Sheila. Check out our new parody podcast, Women Talking About Murder. It's a show about women talking about murder. Every episode features special guests, twists, turns, and the mystery of a missing co-host. Available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
Rick Singer was now in custody of the FBI, and they quickly realized he was the ringleader of an incredibly large conspiracy. Usually, that's the end game, but here, it was just the beginning. Here's Brian Murphy, a Boston-based white-collar criminal defense attorney. It is unusual for the federal prosecutors to use somebody at the top of a hierarchy to inform against underlings, against people who played a more minor role in that conspiracy. The typical example is a drug prosecution. They typically use lower-level drug dealers to move their way up the chain of command, as it were, to get the person who was supplying the larger quantity of drugs and organizing the conspiracy as a whole. In this case, they essentially did the reverse. They came upon Singer very early, and he flipped immediately. Um, and then they wanted to see the scope of the conspiracy. Throughout this podcast, you've heard readings of conversations between Rick Singer and his clients. They were all included in the affidavit, which reads like a true crime novel. And they offer a detailed look at how the whole scheme worked. Here, I'm going to focus on the ruse that the FBI had Singer use to entrap his clients. Singer called the parents and told them his nonprofit was being audited by the IRS. It gave cover to discuss the payments that were made. I'll start with Singer speaking with Gamal Abdelaziz, a former casino executive. So the reason for my calls, I just wanted to make sure that you knew. So my foundation, which happens to all these foundations, especially as we got... We've gotten bigger, so we're getting audited right now. Yes. Which is typical, right? Yes. And so they're looking at all my payments that have come into our foundation. And so they asked me, you know, about the $300,000 payment that was made. Okay. And so I just want you to know from the IRS, you know, I'm not going to tell the IRS anything about the fact that your $300,000 was paid to Donna Donna Heinell at USC to get your daughter into school, even though she wasn't a legitimate basketball player at that level. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that to the IRS. Obviously, are you, you're okay with that, right? Of course. I'll tell you a funny story. Is that Donna Heinell, who's the senior women's administrator? She actually called me and said, she calls me and she says, "Hey Rick, that profile that you did for Abdelaziz's daughter, I loved it. It was really well done. And going forward, anybody who isn't a real basketball player that's a female, I want you to use that profile going forward. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, it was great." Absolutely great. So I just want to make sure our stories are together. I'm going to essentially say that your $300,000 payment was made to our foundation to help underserved kids. Okay. Here's Singer with actor Lori Lachlan. The IRS audits found large foundations, and we have so much money in our foundation, and we give away so much money. They're, they want to, you know, they're always worried about things going on in foundations. I see. So what I... What I I told Moss already, and I wanted to make sure that you knew as well, if they happen to call you, is that nothing has been said about the girls. Your donations, helping the girls get into USC to do, even though they didn't do crew. Okay. So nothing like that has ever been mentioned. If you ever, ever were to say anything. So, so, we, just, so we just have to say we made a donation to your foundation and that's it. End of story. That is correct. Okay. Terrific. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I touched base because I didn't want you to all of a sudden, what? Like, yeah. what's this call coming from? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Totally. All right. So, so that's it. So it's, it's the IRS. It's not anyone from USC. It's the IRS. That is correct. Okay. Very good. You may notice that Rick Singer is doing most of the talking. 
he doesn't seem to be getting much in the way of people outright incriminating themselves. But according to Brian Murphy, it's more than enough. So the defendants confirming a statement that was made by Singer on the wiretap can certainly be enough to sustain a conviction. The analysis that I often go through when looking at whether or not a wiretap is damning, right, is is going to really hurt you, um, is to say, what's a jury reasonably going to infer there? If there's only one reasonable inference, and it's the reasonable inference that you've drawn and it's what a jury is going to draw, then that is a very damning fact. And that wiretap evidence is quite compelling, and it is quite damning. And I think, I suspect that it's a big part of the reason that so many people have agreed to plea so quickly. Here, Rick Singer speaks with Augustine Huneus Jr., the vineyard owner we met in episode two, who is not only complaining that his daughter's doctored SAT score could have been a 1550 out of 1600, but that his friend, Bill McGlashan, who was also using Singer, was making him feel guilty. I just want to give you a heads up. So I just, they just started an audit on my foundation. Yeah. So I just want to give you a heads up before McGlashan, before anybody, that essentially they're, they're going to go, they've been asking about both past and present payments. So there's a payment, obviously, for 50K in April for us taking, for your daughter taking the test. Yeah, I remember. Okay, so what I want to make sure is that you and I are both on the same page because what I'm going to tell them is that you made a 50K donation to my foundation for underserved kids and not that Mark Rydell took the test for your daughter or she took the test at the West Hollywood Test Center. Dude, dude, what do you think? I'm a moron? No, I, I'm not saying you're a moron. The point is I that... I got it. Rick, I got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say that I've been inspired how you're helping underprivileged kids get into college. Totally got it. It's important to remember Rick Singer's key worldwide foundation was listed as a nonprofit. Some of his clients were well aware. When one parent, Robert Flaxman, received an invoice for $250,000, he replied back asking for a 501c3 form. Flaxman wanted his tax write-off. Some of Singer's other clients didn't know about the write-off, but were happy to hear of the payment option. Here, Singer speaks with a different client, Jane Buckingham, a businesswoman and author who's written guidebooks about life and parenting. Will you send me where and how I should send the check? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll send it so that you get your IRS tax write-off. Oh, even better. Bruce Isaacson paid Singer his fee of $250,000 for each of his first two children with Facebook stock and then paid another 100000 for Singer's crew to cheat on his youngest child's SAT. So, so I'm calling because I'm in Boston. Uh-huh. And I, so what's happened is my foundation is, is getting audited now, uh-huh. which, as you know, is pretty typical, uh-huh. right? So they're looking at all my payments. Okay. So they asked about your payments. One of them for when Mark Rydell took the test for your second daughter. Uh, Okay. The payment that we made to help your first daughter get into UCLA through soccer. Okay. And then the payment that we made to Donna Heinel at USC to help your second daughter get in through crew. Uh, Okay. So, of course, I'm not going to tell the IRS this is where the money went. Right. And so I just just want to make sure that what I've told them so far is that 600000 plus has actually gone to pay for, uh, paid to our foundation for underserved kids. Uh-huh. 
So I guess first, one of the questions I have is, did you take a write-off for those? I did take a write-off for those, yes. Okay. All right. I just I just want to make sure I'm yeah. on the same page as yeah, you. Yeah, I did. I did. Okay. I did. I okay. Mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go. Yeah, well, I, I got... Remember, I was asking for the letter for, you know, to the extent that we don't have it. You know, if we do get audited or something, we would need a letter or something like that. Gotcha. Totally. That's after the fact, okay? Okay. Yeah, no problem. So I just wanted to make sure our stories are aligned. Yeah. Later on, back in California, Rick Singer went to Bruce Isaacson's house in person to discuss his fake audit further. And he was wearing a wire for the whole discussion. And I'm just saying, hey, I was just told to call everybody. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. And I'm, and I'm glad you did. It's, it's just something that when it happened, my stomach like kind of fell out. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. I think it should. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking, oh, my God. Because you're thinking, does this roll into something where, you know, if they get into the meat and potatoes, is this going to be this front page story with everyone? Well, the, the person who'd be on the front well, page. I, but, but if they, yes. they went, the, the meat and potatoes of it, which, is, which, which a guy would love to have is, it's so hard for these kids to get into college and look what's going on behind the scenes. And then, you know, the, the embarrassment to everyone in the communities. Oh, my God. It would just be, yeah. Ugh. Isaacson, a little spooked, ends their conversation with this. I, I think we'll definitely pay cash this time and not, not, uh, not run it through the other way. So this is where I enter into the picture because Key Foundation filed the 1023. This is the form that you file in order to get your charity tax-exempt with the IRS. That's Philip Hackney. Philip is a former attorney for the IRS in the office of the chief counsel. Rick Singer's company, the Key Worldwide Foundation, was listed as a nonprofit, which meant that Singer could run all of his bribe money through KWF and not pay any taxes. And Singer must have known that he'd be able to take advantage of a sector with almost no oversight. You've got about 1.5 million nonprofits uh, that are tax exempt. To give you an idea of what kind of money is being overseen, if you're looking at the entirety of the nonprofit sector, you're talking about 4 trillion in assets, Three trillion in revenue on an annualized basis. They actually make up about ten percent of um, salaries. When I was at the IRS, we had I think it was around eight hundred eighty employees that were focused on nonprofit sector generally. Of the eight hundred eighty, about two hundred twenty or so are agents that are on the ground auditing nonprofit organizations. It's obscene. The IRS does not have the people to do the job that they are asked to do, and it is thoroughly overwhelmed, and it opens up a space for con men to enter. And of course, with such a lack of oversight for these nonprofits, the parents were able to take advantage too. 
And as Philip Packney points out, it was us who paid the price. You paid your fair share of taxes. You go and work nine to five job every week and you have all that withholding that comes out of your paycheck and uh, you make a real payment uh, that's due and owed. These folks have decided, ah, it's not applicable to me. I don't have to pay the taxes that uh, your uh, laws say I need to pay. I can, uh, you know, I can pay for my kid to go to college and write it off. With 1.5 million nonprofits in our country, it's not hard to imagine that this type of fraud is happening way more than we hear about. It just seems too easy to exploit. This explains why Singer flew under the radar for so long. But now... The dominoes are falling. 14 of the 33 parents have pled guilty, including Felicity Huffman. But most of them, like Lori Lachlan and her husband Massimo Giannulli, have pled not guilty. And it begs the question, with so much evidence against them, what are they thinking? Here again is journalist Caitlin Flanagan. So this class of parents, I know them really well. We're here in Los Angeles and... When I came to this city 30 years ago, I worked at sort of the top private high school and I was a college counselor there. And this group of people, they really don't have to answer to any of the common authorities or laws that any of us have to answer to. When they want to fly somewhere, forget about showing up two hours early, forget about, you know, standing in line in security, forget about your flight getting canceled, forget about getting squashed into, you know, super deluxe economy. They just show up at the airport and get on their plane. You know, they are not used to anybody checking them in any way. It's like at no point should rules confine them. And they have a particular contempt for school rules because in private schools, money talks, money talks. So they don't want to have rules imposed on them. And the same thing when they find out that someone as contemptible and petty and small as the stupid federal government, that they know how to work their way around eight times to Sunday when it comes to the IRS, that they are going to blame them. These wonderful, magnificent parents who give so much money to so many causes and have created so much wealth that they might be called out for something so relatively small, they're outraged and they assume they can get away with it. These guys, they could not be more effed <laughs> as far as their case goes. The reason someone needs to make a really great Tom Wolf style movie about this case is that what effed them of all the crimes, moral, that, moral and financial, that I'm sure many of them committed, what got them screwed over was cheating on their kids' SAT. That is just an incredible moment in American life, and I'm sure they cannot tolerate it. They're just assuming they can do this relatively small thing and get away with it, but they cannot. They've been wiretapped. People have worn wires. They've there have been FBI stakeouts. They could not possibly have more evidence against them, and yet they're convinced they're innocent. So sooner or later, they're going to try and make a deal, and there's not going to be any deal for them. So Lori and Massimo, they're going to do, and well, they should, they're going to do real time. And they're not getting out of it. And by the time somebody knocks some sense into their heads, they're going to say, oh, we'll, we'll make a plea and there's going to be nothing on the table. For the next 25 years, any lawyer who's trying to get a client to see reason and take a deal is going to hold up Lori Laughlin and Massimo, what's his name, and say, do you want to end up the way they did? 
By the time they finally saw reason, there was no deal to make. On the next episode of Gangster Capitalism. Coach Singer, he became, in my life, my mentor, kind of like my father figure. You know, the truth is, uh, I loved the guy back then. I loved him. And then I started thinking, how is this going to happen to somebody? We're going to trace Rick Singer's steps from high school coach to college scam artist. We would like to hear from you, the listeners. If you know anyone who has cheated, has been accepted into college through illegal means, or has a story to tell about this scandal, please reach out to tips at gangstercapitalism.com. That's tips at gangstercapitalism.com. We can ensure anonymity. Gangster Capitalism is a production of C13 Originals. It's written and directed by me, Andrew Jenks, and Zach Levitt. Executive produced by me, Chris Corcoran, and Zach Levitt. Produced by Lloyd Lockridge, Perry Crowell, and Terrence Malingone. Editing by Perry Crowell and Zach Levitt. Mixing and mastering by Bill Schultz. Artwork and design is by Kurt Courtney. Original score is by Joel Goodman. And the theme song is Your Sins Will Find You Out by Eli Paperboy Reed. For more information, go to gangstercapitalism.com and follow us on Instagram at Gangster Capitalism or on Twitter at Gangster Capital. You can always follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Andrew Jenks. Thanks for listening to episode three of Gangster Capitalism. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts.